If you know on our site right now, we have um, a what's new area that gives like a great place for marketing to put things, but that's all like one news feed and it's not contextual. And we find the things mm-hmm. that are contextual in the product in that moment where you're making the decision, just have so much more engagement. So yeah, I think you have the screen um, on the, the one that I'm sharing. Yeah, that's the what's right. new section, which is Garrett, great. No watching. Right. Yeah, that gives you like context on, you know, what uh, is new. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Experience, where we give you an inside look behind the top product led experiences. Uh, each week, you get uh, inspiring UX examples, proven strategies, and hard earned lessons from experts. This is one of your co hosts, Ramley John, and I also have my other co host here, Lila. Hey, everyone. And I'm super excited. Uh, our guest today is Chris, senior designer at senior product designer. Sorry. Today we have Chris, senior product designer at Privy. And Chris, you were not always a product designer at Privy. What, how would you started out as a product manager? What, what was your what's your journey there? I did. So I have uh, have an interesting background where I've done design and product uh, through bunch of different companies in the Boston area uh, was started here at Privy about a year ago doing product and then kind of uh, gravitated back to my roots in design. So kind of full package for Privy, which has been really exciting, <laughs> but uh, design has been a great role to be able to kind of have a little bit more hands-on approach to some experimentation in the product. And it's, it's just been a great journey. So luckily enough at Privy, I've been the opportunity to be all over product, which has been great. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. When you're one of those people like me and once you, I always say like, once I get in somewhere, you don't get rid of me. So, um, you know, you get your tendrils and it's great. Uh, so I imagine in that case, you know, we were chatting a little bit before we started recording that you have purview over a lot of different parts of the product and you've worked on a lot of things like end to end, but, um, specifically around new users, we could start with that. You know, what does success look like? for a new user who signs up for Privy? Um, you know, is there one activation metric, multiple? Walk us through that. Yeah, so with Privy, since we want to be an all-in-one marketing solution for small, medium-sized businesses and even larger businesses, uh, there's kind of a lot to unpack there. So we have you know, email collection with our classic convert and pop-up tools. We have email and we have SMS. So that's basically three different products that you kind of want to onboard almost at the same time. And so it really comes down to really helping that merchant understand you know, what is their goals, um, what are their motivations, and then how do we make that really easy for them to a find value in privy and b feel like it was just a breeze and almost kind of a magical experience to get up and running and knowing that they can do this a lot of our merchants it's not their full-time job to be a marketer right they make candles or they make all kinds of awesome things that uh, customers love to buy and so marketing needs to be something that they can learn and then feel very accomplished with and then so for us like really it's all about activation of getting some of those you know artifacts live can they get that pop up up and live can they send that first newsletter can they send that first broadcast text and also can we make that easy so what things can we put in front of them in order to kind of just make that uh, a no brainer to get there so we really measure things like activation rate which for us is you know upgrading to a paid plan finding that ability to find enough value in privy that it's worth paying for for some of the premium features we offer as well as getting those things live. So we have a lot of activation metrics around having that first pop-up live, having that first newsletter sent, or having that first broadcast sent as well. Now, is there a certain type of like group of uh, usage signals that tell you whether or not someone's going to be more likely to convert to paid? So like, 
is it a certain type of content that they more sell or is it like they get excellent, you know, click through rates or like, do you have some really good signals that you tell like, oh, this person's getting a ton of value out of Privy and they're about to go cha-ching? Yeah. So we wish there was like a perfect silver bullet, which was like, oh, if they get exactly 10 signups, they send one email and they log in on a Friday, they're going to pay. Yeah. Don't we <laughs> all? Don't we all? Yes. The Facebook myth is not true for most of our B2B <laughs> companies, right? Or B2B2C. Exactly. And our merchants vary too in kind of their sophistication with the marketing tools they use. We have found that a 10 signups uh, within, you know, the first kind of two weeks of their trial period is a pretty good mm. indicator that they're finding value because they're growing a list. So that's been one that we've kind of been anchoring on a bit, but it's also the usage. Like, are they engaged with the product? Are they putting in the effort to build a newsletter? Uh, and for a lot of our merchants, it's they need to see some sort of value, right? So either a list growth means that they have a subscriber that they can potentially monetize or an email they send and they actually get orders and sales. So it really comes down to how do we prove ROI? Anyone that sees some sort of net positive ROI, especially with the kind of a lower entry cost for our plans, means that it's already paying for itself. And that's a lot easier argument to have of, hey, you know, if you're gonna, if, uh, every dollar you give me, I'm gonna give you $2 back in the sale. It's kind of a no brainer to upgrade. Absolutely. Yeah, is there any way that you surface some of that ROI information? like? Mm anywhere yeah. in the product yeah we're trying to do it in a couple different places so we try to use it as a motivator for one thing where a lot of those plays that we have we which are basically like recipes of pre-built campaigns for people kind of showing the benefit of what it means like every email you collect is worth potentially 33 dollars in sale on average we have a vast like database of merchants we've had over i think seven hundred thousand merchants wow. use privy at some time and so we've collected so much data around you know how uh, successful certain things are. So not only do we do it as like a motivation for why you should send a newsletter, why you should have a pop-up, but we also have our dashboard, which is constantly giving them updates on where they're at. So, you know, what is your convert revenue? You know, all revenue gained by someone that's signed up through a privy form. How much revenue have you gotten from email attribution? How much revenue have you gotten from tax attribution? To always just kind of bring it back to like, hey, Privy gave you this success, so it's it's working. I think that's the hardest thing for a lot of merchants is, you know, um, return on ad spend is a difficult metric. And so also knowing like, am I getting value out of the time, the effort? We know all of our merchants, those are kind of the two biggest things that are constraints for them is time and money. So can we make sure that the time is low and the return is big so that they can actually find value? So through some stats and through some motivation is kind of where we're putting that in the product today. Super cool. That. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's probably a good way to um, help motivate uh, people to continue using Privy is that, hey, you know, like our best merchants um, see, I don't know, I'm making up stats right now, <laughs> $33 per email send. And if you apply best practices and continue using Privy, uh, you know, pop-ups and grow your list and things like that, uh, you can see the same success. Is that, is that something that you, that you, you're seeing being used in the emails or even in the experience in the copies so that it kind of pushes or encourages uh, people to continue using uh, you know, different features of preview. Yeah, one of the big things for us is education about what good looks like. And I think that's something that we want mm -hmm. to continue to put into the product, which is benchmarking, right? Like, what is a good sign-up rate? You know, is 2% mm -hmm. a good sign-up rate, industry average, right? Like we have plays that can do maybe 10%, you know, spin to win. They might be a little bit harder to configure, but that's the point is like adding more effort in, 
just making sure that the ROI is, is evident and then having that. So we're trying to intersperse a lot of education. We have our own podcast actually, uh, where you know our, our founder goes through a lot of the different things that you know a lot of small businesses need for marketing. We have an academy, we have masterclass. So it's really trying to help our merchants learn what mm -hmm. good looks like and then show them how easy it is to replicate that success. So uh, yeah, a lot of it is really just trying to get them to understand, you know, um, it is worth the effort. You should have more than one pop-up. They're, they're different things, right? Exit intent, you know, when someone's about to leave, when they first land there, when they're about to abandon their cart. So you could potentially have five different things and kind of getting past this like idea that pop-ups is a dirty word because it, it's really not anymore. As long as they're contextual and helpful to a user, they can have a big benefit on your business. So I think it's a matching of education and those real-time results, right? Like if you're going to put it in front of them, have them put in the effort and then they're actually seeing we have a lot of merchants that like put spin to win and all of a sudden they're like i got like 400 signups that's insane this is the coolest thing ever that's the feeling we want every merchant to have so it's really just getting them to understand you know that is all achievable with uh with our product yeah i'm excited to dig into some of these stuff and and see it uh because we talked a little bit about and saw some screens and um, there's some interesting things that you're doing, like it's a combination of, you know, built-in plays. Like, I feel like this is what I'm hearing from the top product-led companies, right? Is like templates, benchmarks, plays, like these are kind of the way to win. Um, and then quick experimentation uh, to prove out uh, like product additions and things like that. Like this is the theme that I've been hearing from top folks lately. So it's pretty cool to see it um, play out. Definitely. Yeah, our, one of our sense. biggest things was was onboarding. So we're definitely like really focused on how we did that. And that led to one of our, our first experiments with AppQs actually. Yeah, actually let's let's jump let's jump into that first Great. one. This is the whole yeah, for, for people who are tuning in, this is uh this is the sign up flow. Essentially after somebody signs up for the first time, uh there's some stuff that said tell us a little bit more about your business, just four steps business info, brand info, and your goal, the business info. And the brand info, you ask for the logo, and then the goal shows you exactly, you know, like the, the goals that you want to achieve. There's three options, grow my list, convert sales, send my first email, and then get started. And you, before we started recording, you mentioned that this was uh, one of your labor of love <laughs> that you worked on yeah. as a product manager and as a product designer. Can you talk a little bit about this whole experience and how this has uh, evolved to this? Yeah, so one of the biggest things was, you know, um, merchants use marketing for a variety of, you know, goals, especially with a product that's supposed to be an all-in-one, you know, approach. We really narrowed it down to kind of these three ideas that we heard a lot. We did a lot of like internal and external uh, interviews to understand, you know, what are our merchants trying to do? What is the playbook that they're trying to run with their marketing? And it really came down to these three things, right? They don't want to grow that list, a very, you know, marketable list to have subscribers. They want to convert sales. They want to send emails and or they want to really drive urgency to purchase, right? Which is like, how do I encourage someone that's already landed on my site to just like pull the trigger, buy that thing? And so what we decided to do is, you know, building a new onboarding flow can be a pretty engineering heavy experience. We have a smaller engineering team. So how can we really validate some of these hypotheses we have before, you know, actually jumping into the whole product development cycle? So we turned to AppQs for that. So the biggest first thing we wanted to validate was 
do these goals actually resonate with merchants and do they actually tend to go to one or the other? And can we actually measure if that's going to have an impact on activation? Because it's, you know, people could choose a goal, they could go through some branding exercises and everything. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't move the needle, it's not probably going to be worth building for our team. There's probably better things that we can go after. So we built an app queue of a flow, which was basically the first time you landed the product, it, it was a pop-up and it said, you know, uh, welcome to Privy, you know, what are you here to do? And then it gave them the three options. We then combined that one modal with a couple different checklists, which was another awesome feature that we found with, um, with app queues, which is cool. If they picked one goal, we could always have them revisit one of the other goals in the checklist that flowed with them that said, get started. Once they picked one of those goals, we did a series of other flows that launched, which kind of walked them through the steps to build something. So if you picked Grow My List, it went through and had you build your first pop-up, right? Kind of walking you through the bare minimum to get started to get the thing live. You can kind of see it here. When you click on that, we're already doing some auto branding here, um, which is great to really give them a little bit more confidence that like it's already going to look and feel like your website. So you're kind of good to go to launch this and click publish right away. Super cool. If you clicked on the drive urgency, it was a free shipping bar really to encourage like, hey, get to that AOV level in order to, you know, get that purchase. And then the send my first email was really getting them into creating a newsletter. So having those different flows, there's a lot of metrics we wanted to measure. And it was actually a super successful experiment for us. So we were measuring 70 activation, um, 30 day activation, as well as a couple other metrics around these individual goals for things like, you know, pop up actual publishing, newsletter sends, um, play publishing for the uh, free shipping bar. And it was really great because it was really easy for us to measure too. We had the app queues reporting, which was great. We also were able to pipe this into Heap, which was a tool that we were using for product analytics. So we were able to easily see people that were in the experiment and not in the experiment and how their engagement went. So we could actually see that. We could see people going through it. We also used full stories so we could watch people go through the experience um, as well and kind of know where they were dropping off. In an experiment, we found over a 30% increase in activation on seven day and 30 day, just by giving them the option of choice for what goal they want to do, because it grounded them in what they want to do next. We also saw yep. interesting. In, yeah, it was, it was really crazy. I mean, 30% is just a nuts like <laughs> number for us to, to get from, right. um, you know, something that required no engineering was just me over uh, a couple days building this together. Obviously, with a ton of other people's help, and you know, figuring out everything we built, but the actual tool building in AppQs was so easy to do that you really could just do it in an afternoon and build this whole flow. So it was amazing to see those experiences. We basically validated that hypothesis without having to do any engineering work, and felt super confident that if we built a wizard that mimicked that flow and kind of a more intuitive and integrated version, we should hope to see those same gains. And that kind of led to the genesis of this. Obviously, we added in a few more things. We pull brand assets in from Shopify. A lot of people with Shopify connected accounts. That's kind of our biggest uh, merchant base. That way, it's even more seamless. So if you already set that stuff mm -hmm. up in Shopify, it comes through. But the goals are the same. The first thing you do is the same. The walkthrough is the same. And so we were also seeing that you know really come through and gave us a, a good onboarding that we uh, put into the product. And we're really happy with that. And our merchants seem to love it. That's awesome, Chris. And it makes me... Um look bad because which i love i love to be wrong and uh made, made to be incorrect because i always tell people you know don't just do personalization if you don't have anything to follow it up with but you're saying actually we did do that like just the choice alone was enough or do you think that you needed those pieces afterwards um like did you try them at all before like did you have just the modal up and then add the checklist in later like how did mm. that work 
Yeah, so the biggest thing for us was um, really figuring out what was the riskiest assumption that we wanted to test. Mm. And for us, like, we didn't need the full thread. We knew people, like, brand settings and pulling them in is like a very nice thing, but it's more of a vitamin than a painkiller, right? Like it doesn't take too much to put in your color and drop your logo. Everyone kind of has it, but it's nice if it's just done for you. And so really- A delighter, if you is... will. I'm trying to bring delighter back, sorry. Delighter, nice, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you remember the product delight delighters? Everywhere. Yeah, okay, sorry, go ahead, <laughs> yes, Chris, sorry. We do like to sprinkle delighters all over the product when we can, but those delighters. are usually not the riskiest things, right? Now a lot of people are like, oh my God, that was too delightful, how dare you, right? But if something like, you're making me pick a, like pick one thing already. I haven't even explored your product yet. Like slow your roll. I don't know what my goal is. And so that was our riskiest assumption, which is like give them three things. Don't give them an option to like, you know, say I don't have a goal today. We did have the ability to say like skip this. And what we saw is like the skip this really didn't get chosen a lot, right? So people picked a goal and they actually did an action reflective of that goal. It guided them down the right path. So people who picked grow list were more likely to publish that first pop-up. They picked send a, you know send engage my base. They were more likely to send that first newsletter. So we saw that hey, this choice is okay. This added friction is actually going to be worthwhile for the benefits it gets, especially with the activation rate we saw too. So not only was it giving them an introduction to the product, but it was also giving them an immediate action to take that they could feel confident about, kind of letting them to kick the tires, and that was resulting in people actually upgrading to paid plans, which was great for us. That's interesting. That's super interesting. And I, I love hearing that because like a lot of times, whoa, a lot of times I've heard the opposite, right? So um, now I want everyone to go and listen to Chris and not me and, and try, <laughs> yeah, try that. On the it business. So for us, right, you have three products kind of wrapped into one. So it's really, you know, how does it fit your merchant base and like for, or your user base? And for us, like, there's definitely three distinct paths they can go down. Where they get mm -hmm. started could be really dependent on how uh, mature their marketing is or how new they are. So I definitely think it does uh, change, but I wouldn't write it off to start. Like if you, you're worried about adding too much friction to begin with with choices, test it. Use AppCues to test it. Right. That way you can test it with a bunch of people really quickly. So mm. love it. That makes a lot of sense. Totally. In terms of the order of that list, is that like, um, you know, the most popular, like grow my list, um, make more sales in the last one. I don't quite remember, but, um, engagement you know, yeah. yeah, engagement, engagement. Yeah. Is that, is that the, the order of like most popular to least popular of out of those top three? Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. So we actually, in our app queues, we did a couple different versions where we moved the choices around. They were in the app queues, they were all mm -hmm. on one row. So they weren't in a vertical order. Um, and then we moved them around to see if it would change. And we found out that over 56% of the time people chose grow my list. And so that's the one mm -hmm. we made at the very top that we made default um, so that you can like, they are in that order from what we saw from app queues. So that was another thing we got from app queues was kind of being able to test like, well, you know, what I, what, the order we put them in, will it matter? Well, let's put them in the order that we have seen our merchants, you know, um, gravitate towards. Super cool. Love that. That's also something I always uh, harp on people about is like, try reordering your options and make sure that, you know, it's not just the easiest thing to click, especially if you're doing like a tunnel situation where you want to force people into a thing, which I don't always recommend, but it does depend um, on your situation. So there's a lot, cause there's a lot of things, you know, I like that you said too, like you didn't give them an option to say like, you know, I don't have a goal. Um, I've been kind of pushing us away from that too. Like, you know, always have a skip, always have an out, but like, don't right. add in like a, 
equally prominent option like no thank you because it's like someone might just click that out of a habit but not realize that they actually if they read it for a second that they would rather get directed into a place that made more sense for them exactly the difference between an intentional friction right or mm -hmm. an easy opt-out so as long as the friction has an intentional purpose, I think it's always fine to have people make a choice. It's actually a lot easier for users to make a bunch of small choices. It actually makes tougher choices later easier because they feel like they've accomplished mm. a bunch of things to get to that point. That's kind of the things that we're doing there. You get a little less like wary about pushing a publish button when you've already made a bunch of decisions. And so you feel like, well, all right, I did vet it. I did review it. Okay, I mm. feel a lot more confident being able to click this bigger, scarier button later. Yeah, absolutely. That makes total sense. Um, so what are some things that sort of surprised you about this process? Like that, you know, for me, obviously the fact that you just were able to get some uplift, like with asking the question is super right. interesting and surprising. Um, but other than my enthusiasm, is there any other things that surprised you uh, during this kind of journey, either with this project or plays or anything else you worked on? Yeah, I think with this project, it was really interesting just learning about our merchants and their motivations. I think that was one of the biggest things. It was the first time we were able to really validate a lot of internal held assumptions that we've collected from, because you can't talk to every user, right? So the biggest thing about being able to do something like this is testing at scale. So we have these assumptions. We've talked to people. We have onboarding. We have uh, customer success managers, uh, but they only talk to a fraction of our, our merchant base. So being able to have something like this and say like, all right, we all we all agree. We think these are the three most important things do our merchants agree? And seeing that validation is like super great. And then seeing like, does that actually lead to a demonstrable impact on a bottom line is even more because like, do people pick goals? Great. But at the end of the day, if they're picking goals and they're not upgrading, like it's, again, it's like, okay to have, it might be a moment of delight, but it's not going to hit the bottom line. So how can we make something that combines both of those? So I think that was the biggest um, thing for me is just how easy it is to test some of those assumptions at scale, which was great, but just also seeing the lifts. I mean, just something is so small as just giving a choice, having such an impact positively pretty much down the entire scorecard was amazing, right? Like seeing it apply to things that we haven't even optimized, right? There was still the friction and part of the creating of maybe a pop-up, right? Maybe it's not the most intuitive to add a field here or move that there or change that logic or add a coupon, but even having like a positive impact on that because of something small we did at the beginning was the big surprising thing. Cause I was expecting all those to stay flat because we weren't doing anything in the app use experiment to make those uh, flows any easier, but they had a positive impact anyway. So that was the most surprising thing for me is the kind of knock on or halo effect of the the very first thing we asked them very interesting and you know this is something i usually dig into a bit earlier but um you know you mentioned a lot about like finding the bottom line and how you know how does that work how do you in working with other people right what other teams like did you work with you know across this funnel and how did like how did you find out like that this was successful is it you know exporting product data and so like how how in the nitty-gritty of finding out if, like if something works or not yeah, I think this one was great because it kind of touched every part of the business, right? Like just to figure out our assumptions was a lot of talking with the, the CSMs uh, and the sales team about what they hear, uh, the onboarding team about, you know, how they get uh, merchants set up for success, right? And even looking at some internal data around like, you know, what are the most successful merchants doing in their first 15 to 30 days? And then there's a huge, um, you know, cooperative effort with marketing. Marketing does a lot of our uh, pop-ups already, so they have some app queues, um experience in there, and just making sure that 
we're asking the right people at the right time. We also have an amazing data team and uh, engineering team, which piped in so much stuff into AppQs that we can leverage. So everything we have in Salesforce is in AppQs. So targeting can be very specific. We're able to easily run an A-B test on 50% of a certain segment that only had Shopify connected. So we're able to really like whittle down to a very solid experiment that we knew we could mm -hmm. measure. That and the ability to pipe it into other tools was huge. So we worked with our data analyst team to not only be able to pull it into Heap, we also were able to export it. We pulled it into Looker. We were able to build dashboards so we could share out with the rest of the team. And everyone could kind of have like access um, ad hoc whenever they wanted to to see how the experiment was running. So it wasn't like relying on like a month later, here's the results of that experiment that you remember that we talked about. You could get daily updates. And so it kind of like built this excitement around it. But like, how's it doing this week? It was at like 30%. Is it still holding? Like, was that an anomaly? Was that because it was a random day in March? Like, was it sunny or cloudy outside? But it was really great to be able to like see that and give uh, access to that. So I think this was one of those experiments that kind of touched every like, mm department and that was great because then you get the buy-in you get the excitement and even if we got things that like weren't positive this one was nice because a lot of it was positive it gives you an opportunity to like invite questions like well why didn't that work like what can we try next mm. and it really like started to get more experiments kind of in the the backlog of where do we go from here which i think is always a, a great outcome of any experiment you do yeah and a great segue you really like to tee me up um <laughs> <laughs> like what are what are some things that you are going to be working on next that you're excited about yeah so there's a couple of things one of the new things that we're kind of testing out is the pins that uh AppQs has so the really nice thing about these pins is they aren't as intrusive as flows and they can give mm -hmm. a lot more contextual information in our product that traditionally like you know tool tips would do um, the great thing about pens that we like is um, at Privy, I'm building a design system for us. And so we're really trying to like index on, you know, consistent visual design. So we have something that's a, a new badge component that's being used all over the place to like highlight, you know, new features or different types of things or statuses. And so we just released, you know, um, being able to pull in Shopify collections as a filter criteria for email. And one of the things we want to do is like, we really want to get feature adoption, but it's kind of buried behind a couple of different menus. So we want to put like a new icon with one of our new badges that requires engineering to build that host it for a little bit on the app, and then remove it when the feature is no longer new. And we kind of want to put that more in marketing's hands for feature adoption or product marketing than we do in like engineering having to always build a ticket. So we went through the pins. It has the SVG upload, explored one of our badges, uh, the components, uploaded there, and then dropped it right on the settings page of our our email creation flow. And it was amazing. It's just like, it looks like it's already built into the app. It looks like a badge anywhere else you can find, has a contextual tooltip. And the best thing is we can take it down whenever we want. Just adding that little badge there got 2x adoption of that feature within the first three days that it was live. And so just like things like that are just so exciting for us because it's like, oh great, we have another avenue to help really get product adoption. If you know on our site right now, we have um, uh, what's new area that gives like a great place for marketing to put things, but that's all like one news feed and it's not contextual. And we find the things mm -hmm. that are contextual in the product in that moment where you're making the decision just have so much more engagement. So yeah, I think you have the screen um, on the, the one that I'm sharing. Yeah, that's the what's right. new section, which is Garrett, great. No watching. Right. Yeah, that gives you like context on, you know, what uh, is new, but they're like articles, right? And so you kind of have mm -hmm. to like, look at that and it's not exactly driven by like the page or the action you're on so yeah the, email the screen yeah yes. this email creation screen that you have here uh is what you were talking about around is essentially like 
uh, creating a send an email to, and then there's a custom segment, and then there's this little pin that you're talking about new filters. Uh, and then when you hover over, it says new filters added segment by Shopify collections. Is this is exactly what you were talking about earlier? Exactly. So this, if you see on here, we have these different statuses. So it's the same kind of uh, label. But the best mm. thing about this is it's using you know app cues here. So you have that same visual identity of like, oh, I get, I understand what that is. It's trying to convey me new information and I can actually get more information. So it's just been really easy. Again, one of those things that, you know, product marketing saying we're having a little bit of trouble getting a product adoption. Is there anything we can do in the product? And they're thinking of like, we can make an engineering ticket to do a badge. And it was like, well, let's try a pen. Like this is the, I think we can do that here. And it's just been great. Like I said, what's another thing things that's so surprising, something so small that takes so little time to build and could be turned off at any time or even tested, A-B tested, just seeing feature adoption by doing something like that is definitely something we're going to start working into all of kind of our product rollouts is kind of doing this paradigm of how do we introduce new things on different time scales, uh, even to different uh, you know personnel or different users and user types, which is going to be great. So. Love that. I think some of the more things we're going to look at is uh, using checklists a little bit more. So we have people that upgrade between plans, and we want to be a little bit more prescriptive about here's the next three things you should absolutely do, especially for merchants that are upgrading from our starter to our growth plan. They're going from an email and convert tool to an email convert and text. And we really want to help them get their signup units converted to uh, collect phone numbers, right, and get all the compliance issues you need to have taken care of there. So how can we encourage them on what to do? Um, with a way that they can access it anytime. So I think the checklist is the next thing we're going to kind of go after for solving that. But I think there's so many things. So pins and checklists are definitely uh, on our on our radar for for more feature development. Super exciting. I I'm you're right on the money with like also thinking about you know product adoption beyond just the launch. I think that mm. that's a lot of people are starting to realize that as well. Like okay, you know we launch something, but then we don't talk about it again in three months or four months. And the person who didn't miss the message the first time never sees it again. And then they get on the phone with the CSM in six months and they're like, Oh, I didn't know you had filtering like for, and you're like, oh. so exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like we've all been there. And I think like baking that into your launch, like your launch plan is a genius way to tackle that problem. Cause I think it often then just kind of gets dusted into the life cycle section for someone else down the line to worry about in a year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, well, um, where can people find out uh, more about you or what you're working on um, at Privy online, Chris? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, privy.com is always the best place to find all the newest features that we're doing and everything. Also, if anyone ever wants anything, they can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. I have a really long, interesting French last name, Chris Lighterster, but that's just where I'm at on uh, LinkedIn. Um, or I'm just Chris at privy.com. I somehow snagged that, which is great. So <laughs> any questions can always be sent to me. <laughs> But you know, I'm really excited. We're building a design system. Uh, I am the senior product designer. I'm also the only designer on Privy, so like I get to own all of it. So, <laughs> okay, wow. Um, if anyone cool. ever wants to just talk about how to, to grow teams, uh, do design, how we implement, you know, our design strategy here, always happy to talk. Uh, so love awesome. that. I'm sure you'll be a great resource. And also, maybe if they need 3D puzzle advice, is that what I'm spying in the background? Or these are my ridiculous Lego collection. So I have Lego. Lego. Okay, I couldn't so, see. So, yeah, okay, so is it a Lego. Lego drawer in the background? Is these like Lego organizing? Oh, those. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's something different. Those are enamel pens I designed. I do a lot of random creative work on the oh, side. Oh, cool! So, so you're also crafty. Always, yes, oh, it's so cool. Yeah, creative. 
juice is always flowing. So yeah, well, Chris is busy, so make sure if you email him or, or contact him that you give him a few days to respond because he's yeah, clearly exactly. a busy man. Or if you need Lego Lego tips, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much for your time, Chris. Appreciate it. Yeah. No, Thanks, thank you. Chris. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys.